episode 17 of the Oddcast podcast. This is Interpol, episode 17 of the Oddcast podcast. Turn on the bright lights so you can hear this podcast. Turn on the bright lights cause Interpol's here and Oddcast. Happy birthday, Oddcast. Not us. It's not our birthday. It's the episode. show's birthday. One year. We started, How many episodes? Uh, 17? 16? 17? 17. 17. I always forget. 17 sounds right. That sounds like a number we haven't put into the opening credits yet. You know, when we, I was thinking we were, by one year we'll be doing 24 episodes. But well, then thinking about that, that'll be too much too. I mean, that'd yeah, be seven, two this is episode month. seventeen. That'd be two a month. That's that's doable. We have an average of like maybe one and a half a month. Yeah, pretty much, which is not bad. So to celebrate, let's have a shot of what's this drink called? It's uh, I've I've shown this drink before. It's a tequila infused mezcal infused with the uh, with the weed for uh, for a one year anniversary. Sorry, I got excited. I couldn't wait. Mm, I, you can taste the weed in it. You can taste the alcohol. It's pretty good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Ah. You, do you like Rodney Dangerfield? I don't think so. I don't know anything about him. Oh, man. I've heard him. the name. He's my favorite He's my favorite comedian. Huh? When you show me that, I think of one of his jokes. Uh, 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 uh. Um, I don't know if you heard this one. Uh, are you an ass man or a breast man? Which one are What's you? Which one are you, Dylan? Come on, don't make me say that on the air. <laughs> so the joke is, uh, people say I'm an ass man because when I go out on the street, a stranger says, "Hey, you're an ass man." So that's my joke. That's the danger. <laughs> that's the kind of joke that would have been funny in like 1970, which he was kind of big in the 70s mm-hmm. and 80s. I know. So he's, he's, great. That's great. dated. I dated love it. Humor. Love it. I love that. I love that joke. Makes me laugh. <laughs> Has anyone ever called you an ass recently? I can't remember um, a recent time. It's, it's kind of a like dated insult. It's like something someone in the Middle Ages would say. You're being an ass, an arse. Arse. It's like middle middle what aged. What is it? What is it with Irish people? Instead of saying the f u c k word, they say f e c k. Feck. Yeah. Feck off. I don't know. Oh yeah, like uh Conor McGregor. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he's Irish. Um yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's just the way language evolves. Well, first and foremost, before we start the episode, I want you to get comfortable. You look very uh you like like secluded, like 
Just get, well, get get easy breezy. Get lemon breezy. I'm, I'm trying. There were, we have all this stuff set you up want, for our, like music later. You want, we can move it around. Yeah, can we get it slightly closer to you? Yes, totally. I all want right. you. I, I want think you, that's that's plenty. I want you to relax. Do you have enough room? Kick now? your feet. You know. Yeah. There you go. That's a Dylan stance. I know. I'm uh, trying to get out of the way of that because I'm always like half in your oh. camera. After yeah. one year, you'd think I'd get it right, but I yeah. always set that camera up a little funky. And this is a sad thing. Like us doing this for a year, we should at least get it together. I forgot the camera for the third, for the third angle. Yes. So this is this is bad for our one year anniversary. But who cares? Just relax. We're downsizing. Enjoy it, uh, Lars von Trier style, huh? That's that's not funny, because uh, one of the rules of Lazar and Trio is use natural lighting, and we're not using natural light. Oh no! Yeah, you can't really do that indoors. Yeah, Lars von Trier. I keep getting recommended the video for uh, where he said I sympathize with Hitler. Have you seen that on YouTube? No, I have not. Really? Well, is it YouTube such an short? Iconic it was. It's a. It was before the age of shorts. He said it at a press conference for the movie with Kirsten Dunst, Melancholia. I think. I heard that one's a good one. It's a good movie. He's a good director, but he says stuff that I think he's just trying to create controversy. Yeah, and of course. You shouldn't even joke yeah. about that stuff. Yeah. He like said it and then laughed. Like, I understand Hitler. I shouldn't even be saying that because someone can soundbite it. But the, if in case the accent I was doing didn't make it clear, that's not me talking. I'm quoting Lars von Trier. And Kirsten Dunst is just sitting next to him, like, terrified. She's like, shut up. She doesn't actually say that, but you can tell she's thinking, like, when is this guy going to shut up? I mean, he's not very nice, especially with the controversy of him with the sexual assault allegations. He's oh, got many I didn't know about that. Yeah, he's, he's, he's being me too his actors have he he is yeah. assaults his actors actresses yeah Bjork said that she felt uncomfortable oh I forgot he did that dancer in the dark movie and uh what's what's her name um uh the f- female the fr- female French actress her her dad is a famous musician what the hell's her name oh Judy what the Gaines f- Char- Charlotte Ju- Gainsbourg yeah, yeah she also did not feel comfortable around Lars von Trier. Yeah, it's so funny we're bringing this up because if you search for Interpol like fan-made music videos, uh-huh. there's one where it's a Lars von Trier movie with Charlotte in it and she's having sex with Willem Dafoe and uh-huh. it's black and white in slow motion and very like very stylized. It's actually kind of amazing visuals, but they set that to an Interpol song. Uh not officially a fan-made it. What song is it? It's from one, one of the later albums. Uh-huh. Uh, and I forget the name of the song. I think The Undoing. I think it's the song where Paul sings the last verse in Spanish. Yeah, okay, yeah. It's funny you mention that because uh, I, I have a female friend who is a... Oh, yeah. Oh, I, I did the unbroken thing. I started drinking without drinking it. Let's, I started let's drinking cheers. without uh, waiting for you either. Let's let's go back. Let's go back. Let's, <laughs> let's just go back. This is, uh, you know, since it's September 16th, I might as well celebrate... Hispanic Heritage Month with a uh, Mexican beer, and I want to go with the blackness because Interpol, you know, we're both dressed in black, so I got Negra Modelo. Neg- yeah, Negra Modelo. Um, so if you like Modelo, this is like a little bit darker. So yeah, nice. I'm, it's pretty famous, pretty famous. So this is like the Guinness of Modelos. No, because Guinness is a stout. It's still, it's still, a, it's still an ale, isn't it? 
I don't know. Doesn't say. Lager. It's, it's still a, a medium-bodied lager. It's still a lager. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. I mean, we already shot, but yeah. Well, cheers. Oh, and you're also just in black. Is ain't that cute? Can we can we call, can we call you Stella just for today? Okay. <laughs> Stella, Stella, I love you. And I this was unplanned, but I feel like Interpol is also a somewhat appropriate band for Mexican War of Independence because they're well loved in Mexico. Yeah, in fact, I was going to share you my story of how I discovered Interpol, which was in Mexico. Please do. Yeah, but I will talk about it later. You know, uh, yeah. uh, what well, are we talking about first? <laughs> Lars von Trier. What well, we're talking oh. about? Uh, um. Gainsburg, the movie. The yeah. Undoing, undoing. Okay. So, got a f- good friend of mine, female lady friend. Um, she's a huge Interpol fan. And I, when I finished listening to, to The Undoing, I thought to myself, I need to call her and add, tell her what I think of this. Because I thought it was not a good song. It's like, what the fuck is going on? What's what's like, up with this I trash? Like and then I told her, and she was like, oh, I never heard the song. You know, I haven't listened to it. Is she also Mexican? Yes. Yes. <laughs> and she's like, no, I stopped listening to them after so-and-so album. And I'm like, oh, I thought you were a hardcore fan. I was like, yeah, I just like the first couple albums. <laughs> uh, that's my bad impersonation of her. Um, Does she have, like, a Barcelona accent? You were lisping a little bit. She does have a bit of, no, does she have a lisp? No, but she talks very quickly and a lot. Okay. So I was trying. Hope she to... doesn't hear this. This sounds oh, like you're that's kind fine. of <laughs> being mean. I'm not. I'm not Sorry, like... whoever this friend is. I know. Like uh, w- one of the reasons that we were <laughs> we we're really good friends is because we did like Interpol. But like she sometimes bombarded me with a lot of Interpol fanaticism. Um. Yeah. But now listening to this discography makes me want to say like, what happened to this band? Interesting. Hot take. <laughs> Well, not so hot take. I feel like that's a very common take on Interpol. And until we started doing this, I would have agreed with that. But yeah. I like their first two to three albums. And then just in my own life, I fell off after their third album. But uh, I think they have some good stuff later on. But I guess we'll we'll get to that. I think my idea was actually to go album by album this time. Because okay. there's only seven. And then we make sure we cover at least a little bit about each era. Because... Um, Thinking back on Steely Dan and Black Sabbath, we we weren't very specific. We were just like ranting about but, various topics. But with Sabbath, it just it just felt like a big cloud. Yeah, but they <laughs> at least have distinct eras because they have so many different vocalists. So yeah, we, we did talk about it. Yeah. yeah, we did. We just didn't give individual albums that much attention. Wait, we did with part one though. Yeah, we did. Okay. Yeah. It was just Steely Dan that I was like, I don't want to go album by album. Yeah. And the second half of Sabbath. But before we do that, let's do an audience uh, reaction of a video. Sure, let's do that. I haven't seen this one either. So. What we're going to watch is a, a friend of mine recommended us to watch a music video. And by the way, if you guys want us to react to something, let us know. We'll be happy to do so. But I'm going to slaughter it. Um, it's by a Mongolian metal band called The Who, H-U. Uh, and the song is 
Juve, Juve, U. And I think I heard Kirk Hammett shout this band out. Yeah, I think they even covered a Metallica song, too. I think that's probably why. Can you see it? Yeah. I hear some throat singing. Yeah. Lots of throat singing. (laughs) That's some cool graphic design. Oh, it's just the film company? It's like you're watching a movie. Yeah. You haven't seen this yet? No. If you want to move it so you can see it better, it's cool with me. I can see fine. You're okay. probably at a weird angle. Yeah, I'm at a weird screen angle. Screen protector. And a bit of a glare. I don't have that thing anyway. Are you like paranoid? Pretty much. But do you even just like bring this in public? Ever? No, not at all. Then why have it? I would take that off so fast. Uh, I just, I'm, I don't know. It I just, just makes it annoying to watch at home. Oh, look. You know, I, I think it's cool when bands go to nature and start doing music videos. What is that guy playing? Is that the bass? He's like... It has really thick strings, so I'm assuming that's a low instrument. And like banjos. A balalaika? But a Mongolian version of the balalaika? Maybe. I don't want to call it the balalaika because I don't want to offend The little captions are funny. Taking a great Mongolian ancestors in vain, how stranger up. It's got a bit of a country vibe. It does. It's that swing. Man, that guy's hair was beautiful. I wonder what shampoo and conditioner he uses. They all have nice hair. Which guy are you talking about? You'll see it, if he comes back. I'm really curious about these instruments they're playing, because they're bowing them, and when you look at their fretting hand, the action is so high. They're like just touching the string, and it's not being pressed down to the neck. And some people are even plucking it. I like that high-pitched slidey thing. That's something you would do on a song. You, you do the slides and like as a little lead part a lot. <laughs> uh, I feel weird when somebody like analyzes how I play and they're like, oh yeah, that's a typical Oscar thing. Uh, it makes me feel uncomfortable. Like maybe I should switch it up because I don't want to be, be categorized in a box. But maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. I'm that's on the side. It's called having like a distinctive style. I think a lot of artists in any medium would argue like the 
highest compliment is to have like a unique style. Yeah. When people know it's you from seeing it, that's that's a good thing. Other than Thailand, what country in Asia would you like to visit? Um, South Korea seems really pretty and cool. I, I wouldn't mind going there. What about you? Uh, Bhutan. It's a country between China and India. Is, that's okay. It's uh, for some reason uh, I don't know who labeled this, but it's considered the happiest place in the world. Like the government and the and the king at the time, they were determined to make this place super happy. Like make sure that the pe- people's lives is healthy and happiest as possible. Did they make it sound like a horse, or was it a yeah. or was it a sample of a horse? No, that was him sliding way over the fretboard and. That was like a Steve Vai bad horsey moment. Yeah. <laughs> Except he does it with a whammy, a Floyd Rose and like pinch harmonics. That guy did it with a bow and a traditional speaking, instrument. Speaking of Steve Vai, have you noticed that he's using a semi hollow body guitar now? I did see he has a new song. I just watched his rig rundown on Premiere Guitars, so I know uh, this. He I gotta like, watch that. He's not in it, but his guitar tech is in it. Yeah, yeah. And his guitar tech is like a mini young version of Steve Vai. He like talks very much like him. There's a podcast interview with Joe and Steve talking, Joe Satriani, which is interesting. So yeah, what do you think of The Who? I would be very curious to hear other songs by them because like you said early on, like it has kind of a country swing rhythm. <laughs> country to our ear, I'm sure that's a common Metal for rhythm. Metal just a rhythm that is more traditional in their music, but it it got kind of repetitive for me after a while. Yeah, I love their the singing, the instrumentation, but that kind of groove. Like, I would have liked a little more variety if I'm being extra I'm, harsh on it. No, I'm sure they have that. great other songs that are more like have other grooves to them. I'm with you there. Uh, are you? Uh, I mean, I, I like the landscape in the music video. It was fine. <laughs> Uh, Is I that do, the one song your your friend recommended we hear, or did they just say listen to something by the Who? I, I forget. I think it was that one. And just I'm using my best to use my memory without going to my phone. Uh, just want to make sure that my phone is not on ringer mode. Um, but I enjoy throat singing. Uh, uh, I forget what it's called. Uh, to buy music. Uh, but uh, I really enjoy it. Do you know how to do throat singing? Hell no. Do you want to learn? I hadn't really thought about it. Because I kind of know how to do it, but I'm not good like them. Give it, give us a little uh, taste since you like, brought it up. You know, there's some people who can like shake the room. Like If you have the bass in your voice, you're good. Like If Barry White can do this, ooh, ooh, that's nice. Okay. So do you know how to whistle? Mm. My whistle is very shrill and okay. bright. Do it, do it. Okay, okay. So, you know how to do that, right? And then, you, do you know how to just hum? Mm-hmm. Right? Can you do both at the same time? Whoa, that's cool. And then you move your jaw 
up and down, up or down, to change pitch. Or your tongue, too. So they're like kind of whistling while they sing, yeah. in a way? Yes, and then while you're doing that, another thing is growl. <laughs> <laughs> It keeps getting better. <coughs> God, I, I've done this a lot. I practice a lot when I'm alone. <laughs> Jesus. Why are you practicing this? Because uh, I saw a documentary hilarious. about it, and I was very in intrigued about it. <coughs> but, you know, they have, like, a melody and all that stuff. I can just do, like... Try to do two to three tones You're at once. Three sounds at the same time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why? That, wait, that's not really what it sounds like, though. I mean, that's that's from me listening. I don't know if it's <laughs> etiquette or. Oh, quite. wait. So you invented yeah. this style? I, I wouldn't say I invented it. I just tried to mimic it, mimic it and trying to like dissect it. What is as a as a nerd <laughs> call it by reverse engineering it. <laughs> Oh my God, dude! This is you, like we've you been doing reversed. this for one year, and you're laughing very intensely. This is this, this is, is progress. the funniest thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> Reverse engineering Mongolian throat singing. See, when you started telling me, I thought you read like some instructions, and this is actual steps. So this explains why, like, it's cool. It sounds like a similar sound, but I don't, I don't think they're whistling while they sing. Some, some do, some do. <laughs> But they also do like high pitch, depending on the, on the individual, I guess. <laughs> well, I can't whistle like you, and like to hum and growl. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> okay, okay, I'm done. I'm That's done. pretty awesome. Okay, when do you, once you like calm down a bit and just growled and whistled yeah. at the same time yeah that's pretty cool yeah it's just now it's, i guess it's practice practice and doing that uh see the the thing the difference is when you whistle the sound is happening like right up here in your mouth yeah. at the front of your, your tongue and your lips but i feel like with the real like when throat singers are singing two tones at once it's they're both coming from their throat somehow yeah right yeah i don't know yeah. i don't know how that's possible you have one vo voice box so how does that How's that work? But it doesn't sound like a whistle. Usually it's like they're both a little lower. Mm. I, I, I haven't studied it that much, but now you got now me you, now you got you curious. inspired to look <laughs> it up more. Yeah, there was a, there, there's a good documentary. Uh, you know that, um, that band, Steve Miller Band? Uh, uh, I guess. I know the name. I couldn't name one of their songs. That song, it's... Uh, one of their famous songs was written by a guy. I forget the name of the dude. Dude's blind. He's a you know he's, he plays really well. You know he's a great musician, but he basically discovered throat singing and he wanted to learn how to do it. And he just practiced it and he got big in 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 that region, the Mongolia region. They asked him to do it and he was like an everybody liked him. He was like an American who knows how to do this stuff. But what's mm. so cool about him? He's he's got the bassy voice. So he can shake the room with the with the throat singing. So, I forget the name of the documentary. I'll send it to you, so we can just put it right here. 
Okay. <laughs> Speaking of um, American-born singers who got big in other countries, we should give a tribute to Sixto Rodriguez, Waiting for Sugar Man. Yeah, what about him? I mean, everybody he's cool. talks. I think he's okay. Have you heard his album? Uh, yeah, and I think it was all right. Everybody Did you see was the movie? Pretty, no. Everybody was telling me, everyone was telling me the movie's fantastic, but I listened to the music and I'm like, eh. I mean, it's very like of this time period, acoustic folk rock, but he has a good voice and I think he writes good songs. I've also read on a Cracked article that the documentary was a lie, that like he was, so. he was still playing and he was well-known at other places and all that stuff. Yeah, South Africa. The The yeah. movie is all about that, how he's pretty famous in South Africa especially, but not in the U.S. Yeah, but he, but it was talking about how he's well-known in other places, not just South Africa. Okay. So, <laughs> so it was yeah. like how it's lying to us. And I, ever since I read that cracked document, uh, article, I'm like, maybe I'm, I'm, I'll just watch it some other time. <laughs> but yeah, he passed away. Rest in peace. That's such a like random... Slight to have against the movie, but and it does. Like, he's he's lying to me. No, I'm not gonna watch. That's that. not even a lie. lie. <laughs> it's about how he was living in like unknown in America, where he's from. He's from Detroit, I think. But yeah, his music t- reached other parts of the world. That's a cool thing. Mm-hmm. You're not gonna watch it because no, he's famous it. other places. I'll watch it. No, I just <laughs> I, I I feel weird when I watch something and and then later on you you notice that you you're being lied to. I wouldn't say the movie's lying in okay. that way. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll, I'll watch it. I'll watch it. See if it's in any streaming services. Um, okay. Uh, let's let's talk about the topic of the day, uh, of, of the episode. You chose Interpol. <clears throat> I did. And, uh, you know, it was pretty random because I didn't have a topic when we recorded Black Sabbath Part 2. Mm-hmm. And then upon reflection... You said your friend yeah. was like, you guys should do the strokes. And I thought about that. And I was like, for some reason, a light bulb went off. And I was like, you can, we can pick bands that are contemporary that I actually grew up with <laughs> and not like Steely Dan or Black Sabbath and like stuff we have to research. And I mean, again, you can choose any topic. I know. But for turn. some reason, I wasn't. <laughs> Interpol never crossed my mind. Yeah. And I love the strokes too. I'd be down to yeah. do them at some point. Yeah. But Interpol was a band like I definitely grew grew up with their their early albums came out when i was in high school and i really loved them then and then i totally fell off so i wanted an excuse to go back and listen to the rest of the discography and god bless this podcast you know because (laughs) if it wasn't for this i would not i would not listen to albums that are new and that's my own personal failing as a music listener that if i don't have a reason to do something i won't do it yeah but uh, we just make ourselves do things harder for us so we can just do it. Yeah, I get that. I mean, it wasn't like, even like, harder. I'll give you an example. I'm in a book club, and why am I in it? Why am I in it? Because I want to read more. Like, why is it that I need sometimes peer pressure to do something that I want to do for fun when I can't do it individually? Yeah. And it did inspire me to read more by myself, but at the same time, I'm not. I don't know. I don't no, know. No, that makes perfect yeah. sense. I was just thinking about this with my painting students right now. They're paying a ton of money to be in a class where, like, I'm there to kind of critique their work from time to time. 
but they could literally be doing this on their own. But the class creates this accountability, and yeah, you feel the pressure to produce stuff that you wouldn't otherwise make. And that's what school is too—just accountability. You can learn whatever you want by yourself. It's just yeah, having the discipline to do it. And also the big factor of going to school, which many people don't want to agree upon this, but it's true. It's getting the connections, having yeah. a connection to go one place to another. Yeah. So, um, I mean, I said that about the podcast makes me listen to stuff because I feel like that's a very real thing for me. You're someone who you listen to more music just you you feel you yeah. feel compelled to like check out new stuff, which yeah. I I wish I had that naturally, but I need the podcast to like make me explore stuff. Which I makes heard. me happy to have this because I do want to listen to more music. One of the biggest challenges I have as I'm getting older is trying to discover new music because I'm I'm like I don't want to be that person who's stuck into the music I listened to in high school. It's cool to listen to it and then listen to other stuff, but I want to know what's going on that's new. But I also want to know that it's good. You know, I don't want to listen to something that's new and trashy and, and just like it because it's new. You know, I want it to be good, too. So that's one of the problems I have right now. Uh, well, like, we just listened to like Interpol albums from last year and yeah. 2018 that that's we hadn't heard before. Yeah, that's, that's like even just because bands are 20 yeah. plus years old doesn't mean they're still making new stuff. It's worth if you like their early work yeah. at all, you may as well check out what they're doing now. Yeah, well, you know, and I'm happy that I have friends that recommend me music that they they know my taste of music. I'm not a big fan of King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard, mm-hmm. and then I listen to their new album. And you like it? Oh yeah, and I think I'm a fan now. <laughs> And it's cool that they're they're very okay. We need to talk about interval, but let's let's, let's I want to talk about this. I like how they're very diverse because they're like a jammy band, you know, very very yeah. jammy, very like loosey goosey jammy. And then I don't know, they decided to to play a thrashy metal album, and it when, makes when sense. did they make the thrash metal album? this year? Oh, this year, this year. Okay, and I really want to hear that. Very good, <laughs> and it, and it's so cool because like. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. Some people are not gonna like me, but like, the problem with Tool is they can be a little bit pretentious with their time signatures and thinking that making it complicated is good. But sometimes making it complicated doesn't mean that it's good. King Gizzard's uh, new album has little elements of new things, like they have elements of thrash, like Slayer, um, old school Metallica, then out of nowhere Tool and all that stuff. But it, it connects. It connects. It's like, it's like. Great stimulation for any music nerd. Cool. Okay. But, um, I'll check it out. Yeah. And I just recently discovered that there's a shade. There's people not liking King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizards. <laughs> and it's people like, um, like Fish Heads or, you know, like Grateful Dead Heads or anything like that because, you know, they don't want. <coughs> anyone else be superior than their band you know it's like weird having this kind of vibe i'm just hearing it from other people you know like reading it in the forums forums and all that stuff or on reddit subreddits you know they they say they say that king gizzard's not good because of a b and c and they need to listen to fish because fish did it before and all that i don't know they seem like totally different bands to me yeah king gizzard is like like you were saying experimenting with genres in the studio fish has been making the same style of 
jam band music for 30 years or more. And King Gizzard, it's not really like jam, imp- improvised jamming band. They have like tightly composed compositions. But there's moments where they can, they, they have a lot of room for improvisation if they want it to be, you know? Sure. Yeah. There's a band that I saw live that I was surprised how jammy they were. And it just made sense how jammy they they are. Like it's weird to see it, but it made sense. You want to take a wild guess which band this was? And I highly recommend you see them if they come back to Chicago. Based on that, I could not even begin to guess. Vampire Weekend. Oh, okay. When did you see them? Twenty nineteen. Changed a lot. Is that? Uh, I think Father of the Bride album. album? Yeah, Father yeah. of the Bride. Yeah. So that's when they really expanded the band and became like a jam band yeah and i like it it was it was interesting based on just watching live concerts which i did a fair amount because i was kind of fascinated by that transformation when that album came out they got a new guitar player who's like very proficient with soloing and stuff he is and that guitar he has it's so beautiful isn't it like a starcaster or something yeah but it's not it looks like it's like a a, like a mixture of a starcaster and a stratocaster in one okay and it's not from a Fender. It's from some custom-made company in Oklahoma or, or Iowa. I forget where. But, you know, it, like I even Googled it. It's like $4,000 to make one for yourself. Four to five. Kind of like Trey Anastasio's guitar, which is kind of like a boutique Starcaster. It's also semi-hollow and like, but they're handmade by one guy, Lang- Languedoc or something. But I didn't, was not into the songs from Father of the Bride. I found the, ri- the writing got really like, uh, Esra Koenig, yeah. Koenig was always kind of like very posh. Like <laughs> he comes from like wealthy American yeah. stock, and all his writing was about yeah. like the upper class. But he always had like a more approachable, down to earth uh, atmosphere. And when the band was smaller, like I feel like they were at their best when it was just like guitar, bass, drums, a little bit of keys. That album just annoyed me all the the huge like bombastic production i would say it's the 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 least my least favorite of the discography but i still think it's good it got got, i was surprised how country it got it got very country folky inspired but seeing them live it was complete i didn't see that at all it was just very jammy could you tell they were improvising as a band yeah Oh, yeah. I mean, that's cool. That seems to be popular nowadays. Dead and Company and... <laughs> They're gone. They're done, from what I heard. They, like, officially announced yeah. the end? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Did they say why? I think that they're just getting old. Can't do it anymore. John Mayer's not. John Mayer, John Mayer can do John Mayer stuff. Yeah, but he seems like he's in love with the catalog now, and yeah. he's like, I want to keep playing dead music forever. <laughs> It'd be funny if like Phil Esch and Bob Weir's like, it's yours now. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> we're looking ahead maybe 20, 30 years, but I could see that happening. Oh, God. Like John Mayer being the sole interpreter of Grateful Dead music. I mean, what's the alternative? Let the music but, die? But, but who? it'll be funny to see his common peers playing with him. Like, who would play with him? Mano Neon? Is the bass player? Why not? Uh, Anyone who of, likes that music. I'm trying to think of other musicians that would play Grateful Dead music at that time, like that's playing right now. Steve Jordan would be dead by now. 
Sorry. Steve Jordan. Is that, is that his name? Yeah, the drummer. Uh, yeah, he'll be dead. Sorry, that sounds horrible. Um, I don't. I don't know, but like that music has really surprised me. The legs it's had as a in the culture, like the songs seem to resonate with people even today. And it's almost gone the way of classical music or like jazz standards and the a new generation could just keep playing the songs and use it as a jam basis. Yeah. So once all the original dead members are dead. <laughs> <laughs> Best I, joke of the episode right there. That wasn't even a joke. <laughs> don't don't even don't put that on me. <laughs> I wasn't trying to make a joke. <laughs> but I laughed. And it's hard to make me laugh. <laughs> Anyway, John Mayer could definitely be the the like future Jerry Garcia. For now we should draw John Mayer as an old man playing, like playing guitar. That sounds like a good job for Armand Carr. Do you think? Oh my god! Do you think <laughs> you had the idea? Do, do you it. think you'll have like a like a like a beard like Jerry Garcia or or Bob Weir, or do you think he'll just have like a wrinkly face and kind of like Jabba the Hutt, but like skinnier as he gets older? I think what you're describing is human aging. Yes, yes. But which Job one will he, which will which will John? He's not going to be like 500 pounds. Which one will John? Well, I don't know. Which one will John Mayer be? John Mayer's too vain to let himself go like that. But imagine if Jabba the Hot lost weight. <laughs> All the sagging uh, skin everywhere. Do you uh, think John May- old John Mayer will look like that? Well. As opposed to like getting a bunch of plastic surgery to get like facelifts and stuff, he'll probably age gracefully and have wrinkles and stuff. I, res- I have respect for John Mayer, even though I don't like his actual music. Mm-hmm. Something we agree on. But now let's <laughs> let's let's uh, go back to yeah. Interpol. Can we, we'll finally talk about Interpol. Um, before we talk the music, I want to ask you: How did you? No, how did you hear about this band? What got you into this band? What was it like? Like, do you have like a a a, a romantic, nostalgic connection with this band? Now looking back, yes. as as you're an old man. Yes, good point. <laughs> uh, because I, I'll tell mine, and then I want to hear your Mexico Interpol story. I do remember the first time I heard the band, and I was listening to Q101 late at night. Probably I was. So first album came out in 2002. Oh, you know what? I just realized I didn't know they existed till a second album came out because the first song I heard was Slow Hands in 2004. First, or like, I think lead single from Antics. And I heard that song on Q101 and at first it really, was really off-putting to me. I was like, this guy's voice is really weird. The song is like, at, to my ear at the time, the guitar tone just seemed so repetitive and like droning. And I... Something was intriguing to me about it, but I didn't like it. And I it was 2004. I was a sophomore in high school. So I know that's the big year that I got really into Interpol, but that was at the very start of the year. And then I had some friends in my like art class who were really into Interpol, and I sat by them like every week, and they basically indoctrinated me into Interpol. Both of them Mexican girls, by the way. Mexican girls. That's <laughs> and very they were, cute. They were very into Interpol. And, hey, Dylan, uh, you want to listen to Interpol with us? I don't know why I'm making it sound like they're German. <laughs> uh, do you think they had a crush on you? Do you think they were kind of flirting with you, or they were just very friendly? We were we were just friends, <laughs> I, I, I think. Why is that funny? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You're just, you're just like trying to just like 
guard yourself. <laughs> I can tell that well, you one of them I still keep in touch with uh, on Instagram. I don't know if she's seen the podcast, but if she sees this, I don't want don't want to be like put them on the spot. The other one, I don't know where she's at. That, but that's so interesting, like because my friend, who's a huge Interpol fan, she's also Mexican. So it's 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 nice to see that for some reason Interpol magnetizes on Mexican women. And I was going to ask if you think that is from any inherent with Carlos value. Dean? Well, there's that, but did you know Paul like? He grew up all around the world. He's he's British born, but he went to when he was in high school. He lived in Mexico. I didn't know that. And he, I think he's fluent in Spanish from that. Uh, and he's also lived in like Sp- Spain, maybe I don't know. Yeah, because uh, I was very curious about the Spanish names, but then I went quickly went on um, Wikipedia, and he said that it was more French inspired than Spanish inspired. I mean, they have Il, El Pintor. Yeah. They don't have any French album titles. So yeah. how are they more like French Interpol inspired? Was, Interpol was French inspired or something. Because it was another name before Interpol that we're, they were thinking about. Interpol is just an acronym. <laughs> International, International Police. It's not quite an acronym, but that's not yeah. French. Yeah. But the, the headquarters for the International Police is in France. Okay. Well, I'll take your answer to mean you you don't know why they are so famous in Mexico. No, I don't know why, but like I discovered them when I was in Mexico. Yeah, I was ten thirty o'clock. It was like twelve. I was I forget how old I was between twelve to fourteen. It was it was like this album was released in August of twenty twenty two, right? Uh, twenty twenty two. Yeah, two thousand two. I mean, two thousand two. August two thousand two. So, like, I heard of them like a month or two before the album came out, and it was ten thirty at night. I was at my grandma's. Before their first album came out, you heard of them? Yeah, that's yeah. cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because let me let me tell you this, and, and this is kind of a disappointment towards American culture. Um. It was 10.30 at night in my grandma's living room. I was bored out of my mind. Everyone's asleep, and I just wanted to watch TV, and there was nothing on. And I'm like, all right, I guess I'll watch MTV. There's Spanish MTV. And the MTV in, in Mexico was better than the MTV in America. They played new music, and one of the new songs that they played was Obstacle. One. Obstacle One. And I really... Or- yeah, it could have been two, but Obstacle 1 had a video. Yeah, so. Obstacle 1. It was Obstacle 1. And I really liked the music. I really liked the music video. And I got hooked ever since then. And then I thought to myself, well, because I didn't write the name down. This is before the, before the internet or anything. You know, sometimes if you like something, you have to write it down or memorize it. So I thought to myself, uh, I guess I forget about this band and I'll never see them again since, you know, that was that, you know, gone, burned out in my memory hole. Um, but it was so interesting to see a band from New York playing music all the way from Mexico to Mexico. And that made me say, like, man, Mexican culture, or at least in MTV-wise, is better than American. Like, they show music that's good, and they like to express it to everyone. Wait, so you're telling me that it wouldn't have been normal to see music videos for American bands besides Interpol? I didn't. I ne- I haven't seen an Interpol music video in the U.S. Uh, really? Never. Yeah. I haven't seen it. Like I didn't see. Th- I I haven't seen it in MTV. How you know how they did those music videos back in the day? I haven't seen one. 
it well, was in Mexico when I saw that. You're talking about like a month before the album came out, so yeah. this is probably the very start of that. Yeah, and I would, yeah. Uh, I'm sure they, they definitely had videos played on American MTV after the album came out. But I never saw it. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is Mexican MTV they show more respect towards music than American MTV. But now it doesn't matter okay. because MTV is trash. Um, yeah, what's Mexican MTV like now? Kind of the same as now MTV, but just, you know, culture, you know, with Mexican stuff. Or yeah. everything is subtitled. I'd say that's... MTV has just changed over the last 20 years to be not about music videos. And that's, that's fine. Like, you can get music videos on the internet, which is arguably better yeah but as a place like the radio used to be where you just discover new music it is sad that there's not a a channel that's sole responsibility is to just play music videos yeah because that's how a lot of people like us like got aware of bands because it's a combination of like the visual and the music that you don't and you're not searching it on demand which is like you have to know the band's Mm -hmm. name before you can look it Mm -hmm. up now I guess you're scrolling YouTube or TikTok or Instagram or and just, you see stuff. Or let someone just give it to you or let the algorithm give it to you. You just yeah. got to have trust in the algorithm, which is kind of scary if you think about it. But going back to it, so like several months have passed, going to school, and then I go to Best Buy. And I see that cover on a CD. And I said to myself, $20 for this CD? Because, you know, that's back in the day when that was expensive, right? Because normally it's like 8 to $12, right, for a CD back then. Back then, yeah, that was, that was a pretty good deal on a CD. But, but like, if you like, want to go like a retail place, sometimes it's $20. I was like, fine, I guess I'll get it for 20 bucks. And I got it, and I loved it. Like, I was so happy, like, to hear the song that I saw months ago. Yeah. Or that I listened, I mean. Um and that's yeah i have a very strong relationship with that album i really enjoy turn on the bright lights a lot wait back up you said yeah. you'd forgot the name of the song and band when you were in mexico you yeah. couldn't write it down so how did you eventually I find I, I, it i just it was one of those things like you know how you go to the you go to the cd you scan it you listen to it like a get get a little bit of a oh really? you know like a little bit of a sample so i was I've going never there seen that Never seen that. That was what record stories. It was on Best Buy. They did that on Best Buy. You could scan the album like a barcode and hear it on a kiosk or something. Yeah, yeah. I never used that function. They did that a lot at Barnes and Noble and uh, what was the Barnes and Noble's competitor? Borders. Borders. They did that a lot in those places. I feel like you must have found out, like Google the lyric or like, no, she can read, she's bad, and what band is this? No, I didn't use you, Google. Because you weren't scanning every record in the store. I was scanning records that I that interested me, and and that cover interested me. And you just happened to find the band that yeah. you liked in Mexico. Yeah. Like there's a little bit of rose-colored nostalgic glasses. It could in this be, story, but, but you, let, you, let me be poetic for a bit, man, because this this album is, is very good and I enjoy it a oh, lot. Oh, the story—that's a great story. I didn't know you had such a relationship to this album. Yeah. Uh, and this was soon after you came back from Mexico yeah. and heard the song for yeah. the first time. Yeah. So you were there. You're a day album one fan, I guess. Yeah. And I was a little wee boy. Okay, you don't want to call yourself a fan. I yeah. get it, but you like the no, first I, album. I, I, <laughs> All right, okay. You know, um, Interpol is one of those bands where they make a great album, and they should have just stopped right there. Because I listen to all the other stuff, and I just don't, 
I don't I don't get I don't feel it like so no album tops the first one to you. No. No album tops the first one. There's no. there's moments where Antics gets there, but it doesn't touch it. Can you why do you think that is? What is it about the first album that the other ones don't have? Um Well, songwriting is there. Songwriting is very good. So uh, the the lyrical content is very profound. But I think what really really touches me, what connects me is the um, the relationship between the drummer and the bass player in mm. the album, especially the first two songs. How they yeah. how they connect, how they're they're w- one of the best rhythm sections in that album. You know, and, and, I mean, in, in music history from those two songs, because I just like how they connect and that, how they thought of that. I, I enjoy that a lot. <laughs> yeah, we, we should definitely shout out Carlos D and Sam yeah. Fogarino. Carlos Dengler, I guess. Yeah. At the start of the band, I think he thought Dengler was a weird name, yeah. so he said, like, I'm Carlos D. Yeah. And he was also dressed all, like, suave, like, sp- side-parted hair. Oh, Fucking gun holster on really? his... Yeah, you didn't. You've never like seen him with I a gun said, holster. Never saw him with a gun he holster. He would play live with his bass slung like at his knees, for formal white yeah. shirt and black pants and a gun holster. Uh, it looked very badass, but like it was definitely. Uh, has it aged well though? Has it aged well? Well, he even stopped doing it by like their third album or second album. So, but as a time capsule, it's still cool. Um, yes. I. Let's give a brief history of the band, okay? Please, like, please. Started in late 90s. Uh, all, I think all the members were going to NYU. Yeah, and they, they uh, Paul and Carlos met at a philosophy class. Okay. And Paul had a hard time trying to find people to jam with. So when he met Carlos, like, hey, do you play an instrument? And I think you're thinking yeah. of Daniel and Carlos. Daniel's Sorry, Daniel. the guitarist. Daniel, who, like, my bad, Daniel. And you're right. Paul's kind of the... On like face of the band because he sings all the songs, but Daniel seems to write pretty much all the instrumental stuff or like the first yeah. ideas start from him. So he's the guitarist, and yeah, he met Carlos, begged him to be in the band because he just looked cool. At the time, Carlos didn't even own a bass, but he clearly knew really. He's more of a guitarist, I think, in his previous as a youth, but he had given up music at NYU, but. Daniel needed a bassist so he was like I have this bass if you'll play it <laughs> and Carlos started playing Daniel's bass and jamming and then I don't know when Paul came into the equation but Paul came in to play second guitar and, and sing and they didn't have Sam Fogarino on drums for like a couple years I think uh, like, leading up to the recording of the yeah. first album, but they were like playing shows around New York with mm-hmm. a different drummer who then like left the band. I don't mm-hmm. know anything about him really. But yeah, he left before Turn on the Bright Lights was Sam a Sam's a fucking amazing drummer yeah. though. And I'm glad you started with the rhythm section because yeah, th- it's kind of untouchable. And the first album, Carlos is just going crazy on the bass in every song. Yes, <laughs> uh, that's the thing that gets me hooked is the bass in this album. And then yeah. I guess that's the bummer part of the discography because it just went bland after that. What happened to that bass magic? Yeah, who I I don't know. I hear little moments, like actually the first song on the fourth album uh, that's self-titled Interpol, which is actually Carlos' last, last album, album with yeah. the band. yeah. I think the song is called Success. 
that song, the bass really stuck out to me as like, oh, this is a cool bass line. And the way it interacts with the drums was very, was more like more notes involved. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I feel like he kind of laid back in, but probably in a way that a bassist should, honestly, like they shouldn't be like out there soloing in every song. Mm-hmm. And, but on Turn On The Bright Lights, Carlos found a way to really like spotlight himself and his playing, but without being annoying ever. Yeah. And I think it's because the guitars and vocals, everything's pretty minimal except yeah. the bass. <laughs> and the drums. The drums are, they are hard hitting and they're really, they, they're badass, but they're not like showy off They're like, he's not playing a lot, of, a lot of notes. He's just playing like simple grooves really confidently. Okay, yeah. The, 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 I think that what's great about the drumming is what you said, the confidence. You can definitely feel the confidence when he plays. Actually, there is that yeah. part in Obstacle 1 where... Well, I think we might have been talking about two different parts. Yeah, I'm talking yeah, about the yeah, end. Go, 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 go with your part. Yeah, at the end, like, it's in the, 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 it's in the way she moves. <laughs> that part's so badass. Yeah. Uh, we should put a sna- snippet of it into this video and hope that Interpol's management doesn't, like block it for that. Well, maybe, especially with my opinions, you know. It's in the way that she and maybe who, the who the will who? block it for having that. Wouldn't it be funny if Roger Dolce is the one who says it, like, stops it? It's like, no music from the who. <laughs> That's my stupid joke of the day. Um, so who writes the music? Is it Paul or is it, uh, you said Danny? Daniel, Daniel apparently comes, Daniel Kessler writes like an initial musical idea yeah. and then brings it to Paul. They write lyrics over it. And uh, now that Carlos is out of the band, it's kind of like Paul That's- and Daniel writing musical side and then sam i mean the drums are a huge part of their music too so they they write as a three-piece now it sounds like um one of my favorite like have you uh i'm trying to find the lyric but like have you ever listened to a lyric and you just say to yourself uh it would have been better if they said this word instead uh paul has a couple lyrics like that but I, I like how awkward and clunky some of his lines are because you don't hear stuff like his lyrics that often in like mainstream rock music. I think he's a great so, lyricist. So, yeah, I mean, he's a great lyricist, but like, I feel like, man, this lyric would be so much better if he used another word instead of that. And the one that I'm thinking is Obstacle 2. Uh, I'm just going to read the, the first few lines and I'll tell you which part I'm thinking they, he should have changed, okay? I'm going to pull you in close, going to wrap you up tight. Gonna play you with braids that you came play here with. Play with the tonight. braids that you came and, here you, with. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna hold your face and toast the new snow, toast the, the snow that fell, because friends don't waste wine when there's words to sell. Yeah, iconic the, line, iconic verse. I like the, it. I feel like it would be better. It was because friends don't waste wine when there's words to spill. Oh. I mean, that's not that different, but words to sell, it is a very weird line, but... I prefer spill over sell. Friends don't waste wine when there's words to spill. That's me. That's me. <laughs> um, 
I think I like Cell better, but that's because I'm used to hearing it like that. Like ever since I heard it the first time. Does it rhyme better or something? What is the line it's rhyming with? No, it's because it's connected with wine. Yeah, but to toast the snow that fell and then words to sell. So sell yeah. rhymes with fell. Yeah. but Spill uh, doesn't rhyme with fell. It's going to sound thinking, awkward. I'm thinking with wine, though, and I just think it'll be better. <laughs> like, has there been a song like that where it's like, oh, it would have been better if you added this instead of that? There, I know there is. I, I remember there was a topic in the best show when the audience were calling in about that. Hmm. I've never thought about that. I kind of just take a song as for what it is, and like I don't have to take responsibility for it. I'm not the one who wrote it. I'm, <laughs> I'm like, I'll I'll listen to what the lyricist wanted to say because that's what they're trying to communicate. Yeah, yeah. Paul has a lot of Paul Banks has a lot of lyrics that make you question, like, whoa, did he really just say that? That's and I heard some interviews where he talks about how he like he likes using bad grammar on purpose because it. It just has like a different vibe to it than correct grammar. Yeah, that's true. I see that. And he has, he has, there's a lot of lines like that. He's like proudly uses awkward sentences in a way that I think is pretty cool for, for lyrics. Uh, but yeah, back to turn on the bright lights. Cause I, th- I sadly have to agree that it is their best album. It's like a perfect album pretty much, but they, like, but what can you do after you make one perfect album? Like, you have to keep. They have enough ideas and creativity to keep going. Yeah, but like, it's it's not going to top it. But I think it, they it's reaching close to the same heights on some of the more recent ones. Yeah, true. But it sounds like you don't like anything post like antics. Antics is good. Antics has some great songs. Yeah, but evil, it's, it's evil, slow hands, Kamir, length of love, public pervert. I I like a lot of antics. No, everybody loves antics, but I I just don't think it's as good as you know. Turn on the bright lights. Um, I'll say this. Um, you know, I listened to the first two albums and then. One time I was at work at this other place, and this my coworker at the time was like, "Oh, you need to listen to Interpol's new album. It's very good." He's like, "Are you sure about that? Nothing's going to be the first album." No, man, I think it's going to be great. Like, it, you're going to be surprised. And he showed me "Our Love to Admire," and I listened to. It, I was like, "This is this is shit." Like at the time, I was saying to myself, "This is not good. This is just very like like a lot of like sustained." Sync like trying to be like an '80s post-punk band. Yeah, I know they're a post-punk, 2000 post-punk band, but like they're like I don't feel like they were being themselves, right? But I'll say this: listening to it again this time around, it grew on me. There's there's a, there's a lot of good stuff in it. I can't yeah. think of what songs, but like it has a better vibe. Like it, it definitely definitely grew better with with time. I think my favorite song on that one is Rest My Chemistry. That was the one I was really into when it was a new album, but that's exactly what happened to me. I I was super big fan, first two albums, and then that's their third album, 2007. And I heard it. I got I bought it first day at like Tower Records or something. I remember the deluxe edition came with a poster of the album art with these like taxidermy giraffes deer. or no, yeah. like yeah, deer or whatever antelope uh yeah. and i put it on and I like i listened to it over and over trying to love it as much as the first two and it just didn't grab me and i was kind of bummed about that yeah 
But hearing it again in the last couple of weeks, it's good. It's more Interpol. And like, I feel like if you give it a chance and like listen to it as many times as we listen to those for early albums, you'll find things to love about it. They're, they're a band that kind of has to grow on you. Yeah. Their arrangements are so minimal and like subtle that you have to hear them over and over. It's it's funny you say that because I'm going to to the new uh, to the other album, their newest album, Inter- Interpol, their next album. Mm-hmm. I have a, another friend of mine. He happens to be Mexican, uh, not a female though. Amab. Uh, he's a huge Interpol fan, huge Interpol fan. And I asked him, you know, I was trying to prepare for the podcast and just trying to pick his brain since he's a huge Interpol fan. And he surprised me with his answer. He said his favorite album is Interpol. Wow. The fourth one. I mean, he, obviously, he does <laughs> like Turn on the Bright Lights and Antics, but... That's surprising. But Interpol has a very soft moment in his heart because he remembers when he was heart... I forget what he told me, but like he remembers that he listened to this album on repeat for three months, two to three months, maybe a month, I forget, for a long period of time. How about that? And it just, it just touched him. And... Mm. That album has a lot of, you know, sentimental value for him. I listened to it and I thought it was mediocre. <laughs> but How many maybe, times did you listen to it? Just once. <laughs> That's the thing. Yeah. You can't like what these albums after one listen. I don't think it's possible. Well, I'm also trying to digest everything to get ready for the for the episode. Yeah, yeah. I, I know. But <laughs> like, I don't think we can even pass judgment on something we've heard once. Like I listened to it maybe like twice at the most, uh-huh. but I could hear glimmers of little hooks and like stuff that, oh, if I keep listening to this, like I'm going to really love that part and get to know it and anticipate it. And like, that's what music is. You have to make it part of your life to really make it, to get the full effect of it. And I will say this is the least, the most painless preparation session we've had for the podcast yet because i i just enjoyed listening to all of it yeah i think you know even though it was my topic the most painful one was uh black sabbath (laughs) yeah that was awful (laughs) i mean i think i think it made me a fan more of a fan to listening to it and like i i enjoy the aussie arrows more than anything but yeah it was very painful it was just too many and they're (laughs) like all kind of the same riffs over and over tony iomi like there's not there's not much range in his riffs i feel but uh interpol i just think something about their sensibility like really jives with my mood so like it always just felt good to listen to these albums that even the ones i haven't heard before like i i was like uh I actually thought of something which is you're gonna be shocked and like not believe me when I say this, but if I could only listen to one band the rest of my life and I had to pick one, Interpol would be I'd be okay with Interpol. It wouldn't be Interpol. I can't think of one I'd take over them. Not even the smashing? Hell no. <laughs> not even in their nineties era? I've there's like two albums worth of material that I really love and then a bunch of subpar that like not even shoo shoo <laughs> no interpol like i could listen to their catalog from start to finish and keep finding new little nuances that uh, it it just fits my my mood so that's all it is really it's okay like, again i'm only i'm only saying this from dissecting their first album practically in my life the lyrical content 
is very layered very very layered like once you start reading books and then you see how it's connected to some interpol lyrics and you're like damn like they 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 read a lot they they know what they're saying they know what they're doing then do you have an example uh my friend and i she i'm not gonna say her name just out of respect um her and i are huge henry miller fans and uh-huh. she was telling me how there are certain lyrics and antics where they were referencing Henry Miller. Okay. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't gotten them yet. Like realized which ones they were, but I believe her words. She's a hardcore Interpol fan. Jeff Tweedy also loves Henry Miller and oh, references God, him really? in music. Damn it! <laughs> I'm he also like, likes the Clash too. You you saying that the song songs have Interpol? I mean Henry Miller connections. I don't doubt that, but. Maybe those ideas are just kind of universal and they both had True. similar ideas. I don't know if Paul Banks was like literally paying homage to Henry Miller. Hold I on. mean, if you have an example, I'd love to I can't to think of it, one, but, but I'm just think, I'm just saying like lyrically, they have a lot of references to the literature world. To which authors, I can't say. I can only say Henry Miller, but I can't <laughs> reference which lyric. But like, I do get a lot of which is the, this is the beauty of New York. Uh, I do get a lot of love towards Lou Reed and Velvet Underground, especially NYC. Talking about the life of living in New York, basically the whole album is about living it, like the the day in the life of New York, and you get that a lot from Velvet Underground. And I would say Velvet Underground is another band that I I would if I had to choose one band to listen to my whole life, you know, without being like you know the same question you said Velvet Underground I think it's high up there more than Interpol well yeah I, I when I said that I know I'm probably one of rare rare amount of people at least in present company uh-huh. who would choose them I, I know you're, you're just you're just saying that because we're talking about it right now about them no I uh-huh. mean I'm not I'm serious it's a like, very weird answer Interpol <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, I I can't. It's a, a weird metaphysical thing that just the combination of ingredients. A lot of it's the down to the sound of the band, especially Paul's voice, which, I, like I was saying initially, was very weird to me. But something about it, like I relate to or something. I don't know. Do you like how in the first album, he sounds has that kind of a punk like in your raw attitude like in your face but the second album his voice is more robotic robotic uh not really i noticed that it's (laughs) as he's getting older i mean as, as the albums progress it's more robotic like like kind of like he's using auto tune but i know he's not you know but yeah, I think the opposite. He refuses to use auto tune to the point where there's like pitchy notes on the albums. Yeah, and I actually really respect that. No, I respect that too. But it just it doesn't have the umph compared to the first album. But I noticed something about his voice, which again, it's aging. Like you can tell that it's his voice is not the same as it used to be. Like you can definitely tell his voice is mm. thinning out. Thinning out. You may be right, because the one difference in vocal production I notice across the albums is there, maybe it's more reverb or more layering of multiple vocal parts. 
but every time he sings like a big chorus, you can hear it's kind of like a wash of his voice with like feels like there's at least double tracking going on. Mm-hmm. Whereas there's parts on Turn On The Bright Lights that are just naked, just like one vocal take and you can, and no re, very little reverb on the vocals. Like the intro of Obstacle 2 where he's like, I want to pull you in close. That sounds so dry and so yeah. like right in your ear, Yeah, which they don't really do anymore. Like it's always lots of reverb. You can stuff. also say that in the guitar works too. What about like less reverb? Because there's a shit ton of reverb on this album. Yeah, in this album, but like, like it's more overproduced as it goes by. Yeah, and it just loses loses its soul a bit. Yeah, there's definitely more production techniques. Uh, we're we're skipping out of order here, but the album before the most recent one, Marauder, was recorded with a guy named Dave Friedman, who's done stuff with Flaming Lips and like pretty well respected producer. But apparently they recorded that to tape and did minimal overdubs and like tape editing. They they wanted to pull back. I thought it was mediocre as well. I haven't heard you, it too many times yet. I think like twice, but I think there's some good stuff on it. Also, you forgot the one after Interpol. It's uh, El Pintor. Yeah, I know. I was just skipping to the one that I knew was recorded to tape yeah. because... You just said they're sounding overproduced, and I I do agree that there's a bit too much production on some of the more recent ones, but that album is a little more raw and organic. And what do you think of their newest one, The Other Side of Make Believe? Uh, I'm liking it so far. I'll, I'll probably listen to it more, honestly. The first single, that song Tony, I heard that when they put a music video out, and I was like, Ugh, what is this? His vocal melody sounded so, again, like off-putting. But I've, I've started to feel like those little things that bug you about something actually are what make it deeper and have like more life to it. Because you're trying to figure out what it is that kind of disturbs you, but mm-hmm. also like draws you in at the same time. Paul Banks has a lot of these like minor key melodies that he hits some notes you would not expect the melody to go. And you can tell he's doing it just to like be unique and not repeat himself eight, seven, seven albums in. So, um, but I like it. It makes it, they're minimal yet like doing some new things at the same time. So, uh, did you like their newest single that got very techno ish? It was with which uh, one is that? Greenwich. I forget which song that is. I I'm not going to be good with song titles it's aside from Greenwich Daniel a- Avery interpolation. So it's the song with Daniel Avery. It's uh it's very techno-ish. Uh, I thought it was okay. <laughs> is it is that same version on the latest album or uh, is it no, like a, a single? It was just a single. Okay. Oh, I haven't heard it. I'll have to check it out. Did you hear any of Paul Banks's solo albums? No, I didn't. I didn't hear any any solo albums. I just listened to Interpol and Interpol only, and I want to listen to it now after doing some research. I want to know more about Carlo D's work. Carlos D works. Um, He's like an actor now. I don't, and well, probably makes music on his own, but he's kind of gone into the world of acting. Did you hear why he quit the band? Um, or well, the, the I've heard noise? some things that he, like he never really liked playing bass yeah. and he wanted to just do his own thing. It was probably insanely 
grueling to tour the yeah. world on a project that you're not really like fully investing yourself in. And I think you're right about that. Um, but did you know that he was a more of a guitarist than like he was like he was known as a shred shredder guitarist like yeah I did hear that. like Tony McAlpine kind of thing. I've never seen him playing guitar, but I've him, I've him. heard that too that he had like some shred guitar chops as a teenager or something. So I can it, see why he would want to play bass. Makes you wonder if it's bass. just like you know hammer on and pull offs, or or if he knew how to like he you know he knew how to play every song from uh, Silver Surfer or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, part of me doubts that it's that level of like guitar virtuoso but judging by the way he plays bass he knows something he knows hell yeah stuff. he's probably a great musician and anytime you hear that members of interpol talking about carlos and his time in the band they're always like he was so talented he was a huge part of the band but like he moved on with his life yeah. so they're they're moving on and paul plays bass now with, and the bass lines are nowhere near as amazing <laughs> yeah but they're fine they the bass still sounds really good on the most recent albums. It, just, it just sounds lame for me it just it sounds timid like the bass really got me somewhere um but i heard this rumor again it's a rumor fan bases are telling me this and every fan is telling me the same thing okay but it hasn't been confirmed on wikipedia or anywhere else online but Carlos, one of the reasons Carlos quit the band was like because they were opening up for U2, right? And I guess Carlos didn't like U2 and was like, I'm done. I can't do this anymore. And it was here <laughs> in Chicago, Soldier Feel Like, that I think he quit that, that day or that was his last show with the band. Um, I, I did hear about their U2 tour, yeah. but all the stuff I read about the album, the, the self-titled album, was that he like knew he was going to leave when they were done recording yeah. like they weren't on tour yet but he was like this is my last st studio session with you guys and then i'm not going to go on tour maybe but he, it had something to do with you too this yeah. first time i've heard that but no which makes me respect him if he if if the rumor is that he quit the band because he doesn't like you too makes me respect him a whole lot more <laughs> that it, does I, seem like a weird pairing because when i heard that interpol and you two were playing i thought that was weird yeah, it is <laughs> pretty odd. I wonder how much overlap there actually is in their fan bases. Or was that U2's way to like, we got to reach a more younger hip, crowd, younger crowd. Yeah. so let's get Interpol to open for us. I think that's it. <laughs> uh, I've seen Interpol twice. They were both at outdoor festivals. With One, or without Carlos? With Carlos, these were both like antics era. Wow, I'm jealous, man. How was it? It was awesome. I was like a dream come true when I was. That was like my peak of Interpol obsession. Wow. At the Q101 block party, that was like Where the first was it? time. I actually forget. It was some kind of park on the north side that I, I don't remember the name of or even where it was. I just took the CTA there, and Queens of the Stone Age played. Either before, I think after Interpol, and that was the first time I like had ever seen them, and that was cool too. But then the second time was at Lollapalooza, which uh, my friend Edward, who I was trying to get on the podcast, slipped me in through the gate because he was a volunteer there to see Interpol because we were both big fans, and we saw them at they were headlining that night of Lollapalooza, which 
So that was a proper night show. The block party was like in the middle of the afternoon. Which one was uh, which one did you fancy more? Um well the first the block party show was like the first time I'd seen them so, and it was broad daylight so I could really see I think I was a bit closer to the stage too. So that was actually a really special show. But the Lala one was great too. I remember it being just lots of red lights and fog. Nice. <laughs> was That's kind was, of all I remember. Was there a song that made you say Wow, I can't believe I'm hearing this live. We're like, wow, this song is better live than than recorded. This was the era where they were touring Antics, and I, Evil was a big radio single. So I think that song probably got me the most hype. Still a great song and bassline. When you hear that song today, it it just strikes you how bold that is to to start the song with just that bass. Do 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 do. Do, 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 do. Yeah. And then Paul's vocals come in over that with a melody that's kind of tricky to sing, the mm-hmm. Rosemary line. Rosemary. And he's singing that with no guitar accompaniment. It's just his voice and Carlos's bass. And and it's so odd and like jarring how naked it sounds. And that's again why like their recent albums don't really have that kind of dry production anymore. But a uh, really great way to kick off a song, especially a, a single that they were playing all over the radio and MTV and stuff. That has the little stop motion puppets in the video, like a car a car crash theme. Uh, did we talk about all the albums? I, I, oh, I, I wanted to talk more about Julian Plenty, Banks's uh, solo project, but you haven't heard any of no, it. No, no, so tell me more. Like, educate me. It's just interesting to hear his songs without Daniel Kessler playing, like, coming up with the chords and stuff. There are a lot... I think Daniel Kessler is really, like, the secret uh, mastermind of Interpol. And not so secret. Like, everyone knows he pretty much writes the music. But without him to create, like, actual emotional arcs in a song Mm -hmm. through chord choices and development, the songs get a little bit more repetitive and... Just not as interesting, which I think is true of solo artists versus the bands they come from. I wanted to ask you this, actually. Uh, Can you think of a band, a solo artist, whose solo work is... Someone from a band who went solo and their solo work is as good or better than the band stuff? Because I can't think of one. I I, I, I do have some answers, but I don't don't like my answers because they're in the pop realm. That's Justin everything we're Timberlake? talking about is pop. Justin Interpol's Timberlake pop. is okay. better than NSYNC. That is a good answer. Um, Boy depend, bands seem to have depending that. on who you talk to. Beyonce is better than uh, than uh, what the fuck are they called? Destiny's Justin's Child. Child. Um, oh, you just hit on a total yeah. like game changer for me. I pretty, in, in the pop world, it's pretty much always the solo artist is better than yeah. the band. Yeah. <laughs> the band is like dead weight. <laughs> in it depend on who you talk to, depending on the album, Paul McCartney may be better than the Beatles. No. They're very controversial, I know, but like there's certain songs albums by Paul McCartney that are like very good. Like Ram is one. Can <sighs> I can't get into it. I can't get into solo Paul. Listen I to know Ram. he's a musical genius and Listen all, to Ram. but there's there's this there's a, the other thing nobody wants to admit this. There's a lot of horrible stuff in Paul, <laughs> but when he's spot on, he's spot on. 
Paul is kind of like got a little bit of that Kenny G vibe that uh, your friend was talking about in the Steely Dan <laughs> comment. Like he's that level of like nerdy, yeah, goody two shoes of music, and he needed the, like the irreverent punk energy of John, and like the weirdo George. psychedelia of George and Ringo, and the, and the niceness of Ringo. <laughs> The niceness of Ringo. Paul on his own, it, I get so so burned out. I, I'm going to compliment Paul on this. Um, he made me realize that it's okay to be simple. Like, I like how disciplined he is with simpleness, simplicity. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, if you if did you watch the Get Back documentary? I couldn't finish it. I oh, saw like so the first good. two parts. It's so good. If you're a hardcore Beatles fan, it's great. If you don't care about it, it's the most boring thing you'll ever see. <laughs> it's just you see little things that are amazing. Like uh, there, there was a part where like Paul was teaching John how to play a certain chord progression, and John was like playing the like playing it like a quarter beat instead of like a, a half beat, and Paul was like, "Don't do that. Just play da." Da, you're doing da da da, like mm-hmm. for some reason, like it, it made a big difference for Paul. And in looking back, it does make a big difference. Yeah. So like that's one thing I have nothing but a huge respect for Paul. Like being simple is okay, and he can prove to the whole world like he can play some complex stuff if he wants to. Yeah, I. This is more of a like where he comes from philosophically as a songwriter and a singer that. I can I have so much respect for his talent but it's the same way like he's a million times more talented than anyone from Interpol but what Interpol's like sensibilities are just align with mine more than Paul McCartney mm-hmm. does. No, I get so that. Like, I get that. You can't really like teach yourself to listen to to in, uh, to enjoy music or maybe you can but like it's it's an in, instinctive thing. It's like you get it or you don't. Yeah. But now, now I'm trying to think of other uh, bands that you were trying to say where their solo project is not as good as. Yeah, if you group. leave the pop world, like, like it's rare. What about Julian Casablancas? Is um, he is he better than The Strokes? No. I I there are certain albums from Albert Hammond Jr. that I prefer more than The Strokes. I haven't heard any Albert Hammond Jr. that I thought was better than The Strokes. I saw him huh. play a set at. Q101 Nights We Stole Christmas and uh, at the Aragon his set was was cringe I did not oh, like really? it at the time I saw him uh, play at the Metro and I thought it was great okay yeah. well that's maybe the better atmosphere for yeah. it he was trying to win over a crowd who was clearly just there to see Smashing Pumpkins who was headlining and he didn't really have the crowd on his side he looked like he was struggling to uh that's why. Keep people interested. He actually like made some snarky comments, like, "Okay, we're gonna get off the stage soon. You can see the pumpkins or something like that." <laughs> you can see Billy. <laughs> yeah, but I think the Strokes are a great example that every member adds kind of a special like oh, yeah. vibe to the they band. Are. That and Julian Casablanca's solo stuff just sounds like the Strokes, but with less. Uh, less dynamics less like other voices to make it more interesting um i was dating a girl at the time and she was a hardcore strokes fan and she showed me 
all the side projects of the Strokes, right? Mm-hmm. And I forgot the bass player's name. Nikolai. So she showed me his side project and how he was the singer of the of the band. Whoa. I didn't and, know he uh, I mean, he's a good singer in the sense that he did not sing out of tune or, and he wasn't out of tempo or anything like that. But it was just planned, hmm. <laughs> you know? That's all I had to say. That, so, so I, that's you, not yeah. surprising at all. Like, so, yeah, you're right. Talent like Julian's or Paul's or like or Albert. Those, they're very. Oh, Paul Banks. I sorry. feel like Paul Albert Banks. doesn't really have sorry, my bad. the same <laughs> level of talent as a front man as Julian. And he's a good musician, but like. <laughs> well, yeah. I, I haven't given him much of a chance, so. You know, I could be wrong if I actually listened to it, but after that one set I saw, I was I wasn't convinced. Hmm. Okay, well I'm done talking about Interpol. Yeah, I think I am as well. Uh, wonder how we're doing on time. Rosemary. Yeah, that's probably been about an hour and a half. Okay. And, uh, so maybe we'll switch the music. Yeah, cool. Do cool. you want to like sign off? Want to say anything else about our like one year thing? Well, for the fans, thank you so much for enjoying it. Uh, we really appreciate it, and uh, hope you enjoy us progressing to what we are, are what we're doing, and we're oh. happy to do you- to do more stuff. And if you have any suggestions on what to do next, we'll be happy to do so. Do you have a topic for next time? Um, I do have a topic. Topics. Uh, I mean, it's getting colder, so I really do think we need to do the. Uh, we we mutually agreed on doing this whole win, uh, ghost hunting thing. Ghost yes. hunting thing. I had to say it s- separately because if I say it quickly, it sounds sounds a bit naughty. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you later. Just. just <laughs> Okay. Um, yeah, we'll we'll do that, but that probably won't be a podcast. It'll be a video. It'll be like magnet fishing yeah. two point But so um I have it's kinda like the prices, right? You gotta you I'm you're gonna choose between three of them. Okay. All right. Option one is music. <laughs> Option two is art. Option three is wild card. <laughs> and you have a three one thing for every Yeah. Ah, man. I don't know. It's your topic. You should be the one to decide yeah, what we want to talk about next. What do you want to talk about next? I, I'm, I'm I chose Interpol. I'm down, I'm down for each whatever. Like, I like <laughs> all of these ideas. Like, if you want to take a break of, of not listening to music, we can do that. And do you can choose between two or three. But uh, like I was saying at the start of this, I, I've been liking the music assignments because it gets yeah. me to listen to stuff. But I might hate what you're about to tell me to listen to. So. You're not going to hate this one. <laughs> it, might be a, it might be a lot, but you're not going to hate it. Is it a whole discography? I, I, I don't think, for both of us, I don't think we can listen to the whole discography because it's a lot. But I highly recommend Uh-oh. listening to as much as you can because this person's life is oh. their discography. Is it one of the Mexican singers you told me about? No, which Mexican singer? Oh, Juan Gabriel? No, 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 no. This person's life is their discography, you yeah, just said. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, music, art, or wild card? It scares me. You just scared me. You might put me off from choosing a music one. Yeah. I don't want something with like a million albums. 
can I tell tell me what the art one is? I, I choose art. Okay, art. Okay. <laughs> I just art is know. where we're going to. I told you this uh, when we uh, when we hung out at the Dolly thing. Okay. Where yeah, ba- I, I remember you said something about this. And basically, I'm gonna make you choose. I'm gonna choose an artist for you to imitate, like to copy. You ch- and and you choose one of their famous art pieces and just do it your own way. And you're gonna do the same thing for me. Uh, like, how do we make a podcast out of that? I mean, we're gonna show the art and we're gonna talk about our experience. Dude, you had you had like an art cast episode, like you have art cast episodes, so we can definitely make an episode of art about this. Um, <laughs> or you or you doubt it? I don't know. That's a lot of work to make a painting or make an artwork. Do you paint two paintings all the time? Yeah, but they're not copies of other paintings. But you're you're doing your own. You're doing your own <laughs> style, your own twist. <laughs> Do you have artists picked out, or is I have an have I have an artist picked out for you, but I want you to choose one for me because okay. I'm going to do it too. Even though I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not you. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not an artist compared to your level. I'm not an artist on your level. I'm not an artist. Period. <laughs> but you want to do this, so you want to do it too. Yeah, but I want you to challenge me just as much as I'm challenging you. Okay. Well. In that case, I want to make you make some art, so I'll I'll choose this. Okay, so your the artist you're going to choose, you can choose whatever art piece this guy does, but I want you to do your version of this. I want you to do Diego Rivera, Diego Rivera. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. Let's we'll we'll stick with the Mexican theme, and oh, you should do a Remedios Varo. Really. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. I'm I've, super into her. I've right been now. loving her, man. I've been loving her. Remember back in the Luis Buñuel episode, I was tell, giving you a list of like my favorite Mexicans that are not born in Mexico. Yeah. She's one of them. Nice. I like her. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. Is she, where is she born? Spain. Okay. Just like Luis Buñuel. I wonder if they met. I would assume so. Although she died sadly quite young in like the fifties. She was only like. In her fifties, um, I think. Next time I'm going to Mexico City, I'm definitely going to her museum. Go to the Art Institute this fall. There's a show of hers up. Really? Let's go. Let's make an yeah. episode of it. I was actually thinking that it's in the exact same gallery uh, where Dali was. Okay. And it's a million. T- it blows Dali out of the water. Yeah, people make an argument that she's better than Dali. It's crazy she's because her much art. Better. Her art. <laughs> when I found out that her art is from 20th century, I was blown away because it has like that 15th, 16th century vibe. It does. But at the same time, it, it feels timeless to me. It, it looks like it could be made now as well. Like she uses techniques that are obviously like Renaissance era. But uh, if someone told me they were making those paintings like in 2020, I I would believe it and I would still love them. I think they're awesome. So, wait, do I have to give you a specific piece, or are you just to tell me, like, we choose our own piece you, by that artist? I was thinking we choose our own piece from that artist, but if you want me to do a specific piece, let me know. I'm giving I might you, send you some options. I'm giving something. you the freedom to do whatever you want with Diego Rivera. Okay. Because he's got a lot, so. Yeah, that's cool. I'll, I'll look into his stuff. This will give me an excuse to make something a little more, like, socially conscious. Because yeah. I, I always want to make art that's about, like, 
political and social issues, but I feel like, what do I know? Like, why am I making art about this? But I like the uh, the challenge to reference Diego. And all of Remedios Varro's paintings are uh, have a similar vein of like a figure doing some kind of kind of activity, and there's surrealism involved. So yeah. you can pick anyone you like, really. Yeah, it's yeah, it's interesting. I just uh, man, now I have to start getting into my art then this is hard okay cool (laughs) how does it how do you feel when you start making a painting oh it gives me anxiety i don't even do much painting or just i just drawing drawing. you could draw it it gives me a lot of anxiety but i don't know what are the stakes no one's gonna like the stakes is that i screwed up and i know that i screwed up yeah, but if you just like allow yourself the freedom to screw up, you'll be way less anxious, and it won't be such a painful thing to do. I think with me, it's just accepting that my anxiety is going to be there no matter what. Mm, yeah, I mean, I definitely know the feeling, and and it's something I have to overcome every time I want to start something. But the answer is to like pretend the anxiety is not there, just like act freely, like as if. There's no pressure on you. Easier said than done, but yeah, like, totally. don't try not to be anxious, I guess, about what you're going to make. Do you have a canvas for it? I got canvases. I'll, I'll find one. Which reminds me, I have a canvas for you so you can recycle. Really? Yeah. Another one? Yeah. <laughs> I have one in my car. Oh, so. cool. Obviously, you got a what, Jesuit. Sure. <laughs> okay, well, that's signing off. Thank you so much. One year anniversary, um, episode 17, Interpol. From Smashing yeah. Pumpkins to Interpol. Wow, we are very diverse. <laughs> I know you're being sarcastic, but we covered a lot in no, between we did, the two. No, we did. But if I just sing with those two bands, it sounds like we didn't cover that much at all. <laughs> we, if we return to our roots of uh, bands... From our youth, at least with Interpol. Well, at least we do it once a year. <laughs> All right. Thanks for right, watching. Well, take care. Bye-bye. That was a good episode.
way she is a and the pavements they are a mess I know you've supported me for a long time somehow I'm not impressed it's up to me now turn on the bright lights it's up to me now turn on the bright lights cause New York has got to get some more change in my life New York got to get some